I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. (laughs) You can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome back, everybody, to the Important Nonsense Podcast. I'm Neil Smith, coming back at you to talk about the Carolina Panthers, joined, as always, by Steve Vaughn. Seeing ghosts. <laughs> Seeing ghosts. is very ghosts. Very appropriate for a conversation about the Carolina Panthers. All right, so once again, from the top, we're, doing, we're here bringing you 32 teams in 32 days. Steve and Neil break down the NFL season, team by team, and... When, when talking about seeing ghosts, you could only be referring to one person. <laughs> so let's just get right into it. Well, uh, right and in. reminder, this is uh, from July 24th, just in case something crazy happens. That's a good note. This between is between now and release date. Uh, just yeah. in case some ghost manifest. Uh, this, some, this, something this, spooky happens before ex- this is released. Yeah. Halloween comes early, mm-hmm. but we're looking at, uh, we should bring this up because, uh, we are recording on 724, and there will be an update show uh, before the season kicks off. So if any of this sounds incredibly dated, that would be why. So right. check the uh, check the the wrap-up show if you're listening to this in the future. But, you know, to talk about the Carolina Panthers offseason just for a second, they bring in Mr. Seeing Ghost himself, Mr. Sam Darnold, to replace the dearly departed Teddy Bridgewater, uh, who will be taking his talents out to Denver. He dearly departed like he died. Well, I was trying to do a ghost thing, and, and it just kind of came across as like really ham-fisted. Right. But we're going to leave it in. because So the speculation around Carolina was all that they were going to hope that a quarterback fell to them in the draft at number eight. And they were hoping and hoping and hoping. And they were like, you know what? Nah, it's not going to happen. We'll never get a quarterback that falls to us at eight. So the day before the draft, <laughs> they didn't even wait until the draft happened. Just the day before the draft, they trade for Sam Darnold to come in and be the new starter. They trade Teddy Bridgewater to Denver to clear his money off the books so they could pay Sam Darnold. And uh, they end up at number eight getting Terrace Marshall, who is a player that I am a big fan of. However, they could have had Justin Fields, but the day before the draft, They traded for Sam Darnold, which was a great move, just a spectacular move that that didn't bite them at all. No, not at all. They're not regretting that. They're not regretting that decision in any way right now. There's no regret, no regrets. Some some improvements on defense, but not nearly enough to be competitive in that division or the league in general. Spoiler alert for later in the show, that defense will still be terrible. So (laughs) there's not not nearly enough to solve that problem. And then they also signed our guy, Dan Arnold, away from Arizona in free agency. But other than that, not many splash moves for Carolina, kind of just status quo. And uh, they're hoping that, Sam Darnold will be the savior, I guess. I guess. And that that is that is why we want to start there, because we are not as bullish on that as I think the Carolina Panthers are, just to just to get it all out on front street. So we don't even have Sam Darnold projected to hit to hit to hit four thousand yards mm-hmm. and really not looking forward to a 
Carolina Panthers team led by Sam Darnold, who we have at right around QB 27. So that Sam really Darnold is, uh, I mean, it should tell you everything you need to know. Like we've, we've done a lot of underdog this off season. Shout out to our guys at underdog and Sam Darnold. It's, it's best ball. Like you don't even need Sam Darnold to be great. He just has to be okay. Like if he has any kind of upside in a best ball league, if he's your very last pick, it's an 18 round draft. It's 12 teams, 18 round. There are 216 players that go off the board and you have to have two quarterbacks. It's a best ball league. So there's at least 24 QBs that go in every draft. And Sam Darnold goes on average at 189. Like literally the very last round, the last of the Mohicans there at QB. It is, it's sad. It's nobody is interested in Sam Darnold. I have seen him go rarely in drafts that are not best ball. Like in general, I'm not seeing him go at all. Even in the fishbowl, which is a super flex league. Sam right, Darnold you would think super late. Like it's well, just... Ugh. A league where every quarterback gets drafted. Yeah, literally is, is every quarterback matters, and Sam Darnold, nobody was interested in. Well, and it's not surprising why, because at the start of his career has been very, very uh, troubling, let's yeah. just say. He has not, he was not great in New York, and, you know, what was he working with would be a contention I would have with mm -hmm. that. And he'll have better weapons here, but, mm -hmm. you know. He'll have one same weapon. He'll have one same weapon. <laughs> He'll have one. He'll have one same weapon. Reunited. Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. he will. He will have one familiar face in, right. in his uh, in his new in his new home. So we'll we'll see how this goes. But honestly, I would have been more excited about bringing Teddy Bridgewater back if you were going to do that. If just from a personnel standpoint, yeah. if it was like, me running the look, Panthers, like you said, to be fair to Sam Darnold, he has shown some of the intangibles. His problem has mainly been between the ears. Like, above the ears, great. Perfectly quaffed. But between that the ears, beautiful. it's just a lot of trouble. And he had the mono thing, which was odd, and kept him out a few games. And then he's talking about seeing ghosts out there. Which was unfortunate that he was mic'd up for that. Boy. Because that's... It just, a uh, it, it, he's had issues, but he's got... It's not like he's an untalented guy. He's a former number three overall pick. Like he's a good enough player to survive in this league. But like we have him projected for 21 touchdowns and 15 interceptions. And when he was with the Jets, to your point, he had Robbie Anderson. And then what? Like last yeah. year, they got Denzel Mims, who was not good. They kept trying to tell him that Chris Herndon was the second coming and he was going to help him out. That didn't pan out. They signed Le'Veon Bell to be the running back that he's never had, and then Le'Veon Bell was trash. And then he, well, and then he also started like beefing with them in an unbelievable yeah. way. So yeah. that didn't help. So he's never had a true running game in front of him. He's never had a decent offensive line, and the defenses he's had, he's always been chasing points. So I think Sam Darnold is the epitome of a game manager. He's never somebody that I'm going to tap on the shoulder and say, "Hey, go win me the game, kid." That's never going to happen. That's just not him. But I think he's a guy that's good enough to not lose you the game as long as he can hand it off to Christian McCaffrey or throw the ball underneath to one of his plethora of wide receivers. You, it's hard to argue that this is easily the greatest supporting cast he's ever had in yeah. his career. I would argue that it is, and it's not even particularly close. Yeah. 
Like he's got DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson and Terrace Marshall to throw the ball to with Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. It's mm-hmm. significantly better than anything the Jets have trotted out so there. So now here's the moment of truth that we've all been waiting for for like four episodes. Now. So now where do we go? Uh, we're going to go, we're going to go directly into Ian Thomas, actually. Is, is what we're gonna, that's, that's where we're going to go. That we're is the correct right answer. There. We're going to go right into go. Ian Thomas. It's, it, it's what the people are here for. Uh, so no, we're going to, we're going to do this. We're going to go right into Christian McCaffrey because we've, right. what we've been doing is talking about the person that's most important to their team after we get out of quarterback in a real sure. way. And it's just so happened that all the teams in front of this have had wide receivers on them. Yes. That are the most important. So for this, for this one. It's Christian McCaffrey. And once again, there's not that much analysis from my end. Really he's none. he's the RB1. That's yeah. it. He's the RB1. It's it's him. It's, he's back. You feel great about it. I don't care that it's Sam Darnold throwing now, him the dump off. I it doesn't matter. The, uh, the difference between us, though, and you know, don't let me speak for you. Correct me if I'm wrong here. But the difference between us and the general consensus out there right now is it's Christian McCaffrey in a tier by himself. And I just don't see it that way. No, I don't have it that way. I have Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin cook in tier one. And the only thing keeping Alvin Kamara out of tier one, by the way, is uh, Alvin Kamara. I don't know who the quarterback of that team is. Right. And if it's Jameis Winston, then Alvin Kamara automatically goes back into that top one tier. And there'll be three guys in tier one. Mm-hmm. And then, um, from beyond that, if it's uh, not to do the Saints show now, but if it's uh, he, he who shall not be named mm-hmm. at quarterback, then Alvin Kamara, I am going to have to reevaluate my current ranking. Yeah, he's going to fall for sure. He's going to have to fall and he will. And at that point, I'm not putting Saquon in tier one off those injuries back to back years. And Derrick Henry, I would love to put in tier one, but I have I have questions. About right, well, that is my tier one. So you just listed it all off. I appreciate that. Yeah. So there you so go. So my my tier one is the five headed monster of Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley, and Derrick Henry. I'm good with any of those five guys leading my backfield, even in PPR with Derrick Henry. Like he gets that much volume, and there's just no one behind. Because they him. run the ball that much, and it doesn't yeah. matter that it's there's PPR. just no one behind him that it's going to matter. No offense to Darrington Evans, who's a huge supporter of creator content. So shout out to Darrington. We'll get. Yeah, we love there. Darrington Evans, but I'm sorry, you're not a threat to Derrick Henry's job. And please, but, don't Del- but Delvin Cook and Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, they're all the same. They they all get the running game. <coughs> they're all big in the passing game as well, and that's Saquon Barkley as well. And he's in the same situation where. Yes, he's coming off two injuries, but they're kind of freak injuries. You've seen the workouts. You've seen how he's coming back. I feel like he will be healthy enough for week one, which is kind of the big like question mark with him right now. Yes. But even if we'll he is, even we'll if talk, he misses. We'll talk about that probably when we get to the Giants show. Yes. In like even if he way. misses the first couple of weeks, I'm still comfortable enough there. But again, for me, it's a it's five guys at the top. I'm good with any of them. I don't have okay. to rush out and have the number one pick. To get Christian, so here's McCaffrey. here's how here's how I'll, I'll and just to very quickly, I've got Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook in tier one. Mm-hmm. I've got Alvin Kamara by himself in tier two, and then Derrick Henry and Saquon Barkley mm-hmm. by themselves in tier three. Interesting. And the only reason that that's that that's like that is because I don't know who the quarterback is yeah. in New Orleans. So this will change. It's just we're doing this as a, again at the end of yeah. July. And so in that's the ECR, we will uh, we'll break it down too, like. They have McCaffrey, Cook, and Kamara as the the three-headed monster in Tier 1. And Tier 2 is actually Henry, Barkley, Eckler, Elliott, and Taylor. Okay. So I could see that. They have five guys in Tier 2 and three guys in Tier 1. 
I actually don't have too many issues with that. If that was how you wanted to do that, that would mm-hmm. be fine. That's 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 uh, there's no pushback from me on on them doing that that way. Yeah, I can't argue with that. But again, it, there's not a lot of analysis here. The only thing you need to nope. know is this year's Mike Davis is Chuba Hubbard, who they got at the end of the draft. Uh, I think it was the fifth round. Yes, near, near the end of the draft. It was the fifth round to be the uh, the new backup. So they still have Rodney Smith, but he's still not going to do anything. They still have Reggie Bonifon for now, if he, he makes anything as a special teamer. Yeah. So really, it's just Chuba Hubbard. And if you're unfamiliar with him, go look up the highlight reel and you can see it. He's basically Mike Davis. That's why they went out <laughs> yep. and got him like he's Mike they Davis got, with speed. They got younger Mike so Davis, young Mike much, Davis. much, much cheaper yeah. <laughs> also. So no, you'll Chuba Hubbard name to know. Also, by the way, highlight reel aside, not that interested in it in a 12 team redraft. That's a waiver yeah. wire guy. It's a name it, I need but to even know. Then, it's a waiver wire guy or a name I need to know if McCaffrey gets hurt. I don't even want to hold him as the handcuff. Nope. And even if McCaffrey got hurt, where am I putting Hubbard? Probably like flex, right? Yeah. Maybe. He'd, be, he'd be like 35. He'd like, be a he'd be a flex RB. And then if he does yeah, well, I'd say in close the role, to 30 would probably be right. Well, but, he, Fair enough. We'll he's see. somewhere in that. He's somewhere yeah. in that neighborhood. It's, it's flex yeah, somewhere way. between it's, twenty-five and thirty-six. It's flex it's either way. Yeah, and and here's the thing: if he does well, then we can have the conversation about moving him up from there, right? Yeah. But in the beginning, there's no way he's going to crack. And again, through. all these rookies, I love like of of everything that happened last year and the craziness that we had with the COVID season. I think what I missed the most was getting a chance to see some of these back-end roster players. Yes, not having preseason. preseason was really frustrating. So there's only three games in preseason now instead of four, which is a change because of the extra week. But at least we still get preseason. But we get three games now. So we will get to see guys like Chuba Hubbard that we are unsure about. You know, Are they somebody that maybe we, we should change our minds? Maybe we should be interested in to have as a, as a handcuff. But as of now, I'm saying no. No, yeah, and I'm right there with you. Chuba Hubbard is a name you need to know, not something you need to be rostering if you're drafting now, which you really shouldn't be, but it is what it is. Uh, so realistically, then, that's running back. That sums it up. And then we let's just go right into the only other thing that super matters on the, all my pardons to Ian Thomas, but the only other thing that like really matters uh, would be the wide receiver room, which you is... Know, if we're going to mix it up, let's just, let's just shuffle it up a little bit. Dan Arnold's a guy that we love, but not for fantasy purposes and not correct. in Carolina. Yeah, Dan Arnold is is a fantastic real life NFL football player and a favorite among our staff. Shout out to Nee Wallace Bruce mm-hmm. among others. Uh, Dan Arnold, wish him all the best things. You know, Not if Dan I'm Arnold into. went to Buffalo, he would be far and away the best tight end in Buffalo. But I think Yo, that says more about Buffalo than it does about <laughs> Dan Arnold's it, talent. It, it does. It really <laughs> does. So Dan Arnold can't even, for example, crack like the top thirty at tight end for our yeah. rankings. So it's not worth it. Ian Thomas, that was a nice experiment for a little while, but that's over. And not none of these tight ends are rosterable. They've got Tommy Tremble, also not rosterable. It doesn't yeah. matter. So no tight ends matter in Carolina. And realistically, at that point, that we already talked about it. If we want to switch it up even further, we'll just cover it. The defense is atrocious. Yeah, defense and, is bad. Uh, and, and even on a bad team, kicker don't matter here. And kicker so. don't matter. And Joey Sly uh, has a kicker, has a tattoo. The most most interesting note on Joey Sly is that we noticed last year, you know, he's got a tattoo of somebody kicking a football mm-hmm. on his body. And we've been trying to figure out if it's a tattoo of himself yeah. kicking a football. So if anybody knows the answer to that question, um, our staff would like to know. So hit us up know. on Twitter if that if that is At something that you have. FF. 
Yeah, please uh, let let us know if that's a real thing. Because if so, I have I would love to sit down with Joey Sly and ask him some questions. Because <laughs> I think he'd be very interesting to interview. So uh, last year they had a three headed monster at wide receiver. And it was DJ Moore who was dealing with some injuries, but still went over a thousand yards and still real had a slow start, season. real ugly, slow start, but he did get it going. Yeah. He got over a thousand yards. He still had a productive season. He still, he just didn't have the touchdowns to, uh, to, to prop him up into a massive year, but he still had a good season overall. Um, and then you had Robbie Anderson who was the darling of the early season and was top 10 for a little while was top 20 for, I believe the entire first half. We mentioned him in a previous episode. He was extremely consistent. He was one of 10 players at one point who had at least 10 points in every game during the season until that fell off. He was the the poster child for wide receiver three. If you had him as your wide receiver three, you were, your team was probably killing it last year. Like points, like going into last season, um, you had this unbelievable hype train around DJ Moore, where he was being propped up as a top 10, top 12 wide receiver, right? And given all that hype, and then how his year finished, you would think, oh, he had the worst season ever, right? (laughs) Right, yes. Like, oh, he was a huge disappointment. It was a total waste. And he did finish the year 25th in terms of overall points in PPR. but. He had 66 receptions, which was 20 less than the season before. Four touchdowns, which was the exact same as the year before. And he had 1,193 yards, which was the most in his career. So again, he was 20 receptions less than the previous year and had his highest yardage total ever. So they brought in Robbie Anderson, we all thought to be the burner, and then they turned DJ Moore into the burner because he was averaging 18 yards per reception last right, year. Right, which was a little confusing to watch, but it is absolutely what they did. Yeah, they they made DJ Moore the guy running down the field with his hand up. Meanwhile, Robbie Anderson, who in his four seasons with New York, averaged between 14 and 15 yards per reception, had 11.5 last year. He right. was the he was the short possession receiver and we were all confused and, and we all had no idea what was happening. And then you had Curtis Samuel who broke out finally from the slot and had and a And also playing season. running back. Yes. With Christian McCaffrey going down. He proved yes. out that he could play the slot and he could he could be split out in your three wide or your three down yeah. RB scenario, yeah. which they also deploy in Carolina. Hence why Curtis Samuel Unfortunately, well, not unfortunately for this perspective, but got himself a new job because yeah. he he got paid off that little performance. Yeah. So Christian, uh, oh, I'm sorry, Christian, uh, Curtis Samuel gets himself a new job, leaves, opens up the spot that is now Terrace Marshall, who becomes the new Curtis Samuel. So last year they had three guys who had really strong seasons and we had Robbie Anderson, who in terms of total points, and I prefer to look at, uh, you know, the average, the points per game, but I don't want to actually count and do the math right now. So Robbie Anderson overall (laughs) wide receiver 19 in PPR Uh, DJ Moore finished at wide receiver 25. Curtis Samuel finished at wide receiver 24. And by the way, Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore played the same number of games, 15. They both Mm -hmm. averaged 14.1. So you had three guys. Yeah. 
And Robbie Anderson averaged 14 points per game. Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore both averaged 14.1. So it's it was incredibly consistent to watch three that guys doing the same thing every single week. Very consistent, very usable, all in wide receiver two range. So can Terrace Marshall step in? Can they repeat that performance? What what, what do we quarterback? Think guys? Yeah. So that's 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 the thing, right? So it does make it a little bit difficult to kind of suss out. So for me personally. You know, our website, we've got people are pretty bullish still on DJ Moore. I think a lot of people on our staff, when you put us all together, will come around and say, you know, the general consensus would be the hate's gone a little bit too far on 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 DJ Moore. But there are also people who are kind of done with it. So it's it's an interesting kind of dichotomy that that exists. So for me, I've got DJ Moore as the as the one, as the clear guy still. I've got him in the in the kind of like early twenties range around like 22, 23, 24. And, and then I've got Robbie Anderson uh, for me somewhere in like the mid thirties type tier. And then Terrace Marshall is the one that I'm the lowest on mostly because he's a rookie and it's going to take him a little while to get yeah. his feet under him. So for the, if we're talking about dynasty for a second, Terrace Marshall has a much higher ranking, but I've got Terrace Marshall in the sixties as uh, for the total year. Cause I think he's going to have, a little bit of a learning curve to get himself adjusted into the NFL. And that's kind of the way that I would view it. So DJ Moore is the one I want. I'm higher than uh, some, uh, than some folks on Robbie Anderson. I've got him in the thirties. I think he tends to trade out into the forties by and large, and I'm a little bit higher on DJ Moore for that reason. So that's how I think it's going to unfold. So how about you? Yeah. Cause I know you love Terrence Marshall. I, I do love Terrence Marshall. Uh, my big thing here is it's all about value, right? Like DJ Moore is a decent player. I've got him at wide receiver 17. I do believe that he still leads the team. Oh, so you're ahead of me by three spots. Okay. Yeah, I, have, I, yeah, I do believe okay. he still leads the team in targets, but even then, like I have him, I've got him at wide receiver 17, but at the same time, like he's in that tier between 13 and 22, my tier three at wide receiver. Exactly. Like so he's in there with a coin the Kenny, flip area. The holidays of yeah. the world. Your, your, your Cooper yeah. cups, Cooper all, cup, CD lamb, Cortland yep. Sutton, all those guys. Um, so he's in that mix. And then my next tier, uh, or I'm sorry, my next player would be Robbie Anderson, who I have further down the list. I have Robbie Anderson at 41 after his fall off at the end of the season last year. And just because I don't a hundred percent buy again, Sam Darnold, as we kind of talked about. <laughs> and then I have Terrace Marshall at 48. I have them closer to each other. Cause I think the Terrace Marshall has the potential to take that Curtis Samuel role, especially because he does do a lot of end arounds speedy guy that they'll use in the running game as well. But when you're looking at like ADP right now, I, I did go through when you were breaking it back down in points per game. So again, I told you they were all right on top of each other. In PPR points per game last year, Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, and Robbie Anderson finished at wide receiver 25, 26, 27. Yep. All right there, just there outside go. of wide receiver two range. Right now, DJ Moore in ADP is going at wide receiver 21. So a little bit higher than where he finished last year, but not terrible. Robbie Anderson is going at wide receiver 35. And Terrace Marshall is going at wide receiver 62. So both Robbie Anderson and Terrace Marshall, you can get at a supreme discount compared to where they actually, or at least their position in the case of Terrace Marshall, finished last season and what I think their potential upside could possibly be. 
And then when you're looking, same thing at the ECR, which at this point in the year is really what's dictating that ADP. You've got DJ Moore, who is at wide receiver 18. So kind of in line with my rank, but still even a little bit higher. A little than higher than where yeah, and he's a little higher than where I would have him ranked, which is why I'm not ending up with much DJ Moore in the, yeah. in the early mocks. I tend to go another way when we get to that discussion. But then you've got Robbie Anderson at wide receiver 34 and Terrace Marshall all the way down at wide receiver 78. Yep. So again, this is a role, the Curtis Samuel role on this team that last year was able to be a top 30 producer at wide receiver. And I understand that some of those, if not all of those targets may have been coming from the fact that Christian McCaffrey didn't play. So I get the trepidation. I get why people would be scared off and just say, oh, that entire role is going to go to McCaffrey now. So that wide receiver three doesn't matter. But to me, if you're telling me I can have Terrace Marshall for free, and we just saw that... Curtis Samuel in that same role was a top 30 wide out. Why wouldn't I take the shot? Why wouldn't right, I throw right. the guard? And so you and I are tearing off relatively similarly because Robbie Anderson, for me, I've got him at, I've got him right in that 34, 35, like just to put mm-hmm. a fine point on it. So yeah. for where he's going, I end up with quite a bit of Robbie Anderson. Cause at that point in the draft, he's like your third or fourth wide receiver, typically something like that, yeah. depending on how your team works. And I love it because you get a consistent guy. I don't think the fall off at the end of last year is, indicative of what future performance will be will be mm-hmm. so i'm i'm good with it at that at that relative price point and then the one that i i'm i wanted to, i'm glad we're closing with terrace marshall because always always close on your high note right yeah. you and i are both you've got him significantly higher than i do but both of us are of the same mind which is that is a guy that i would be targeting in the last round of my draft even if i broke one of my rules and drafted defense and quarter or defense and kicker around earlier and left a skill position thing open, I could still likely get Terrace Marshall. And at that investment point, why wouldn't you? Because of the job that he is in line to get. And you yeah. can sit there and you don't need him for anything. You can be patient a little bit, wait, uh, wait it out, see what's going to happen here. And then he, by the end, you might halfway through the year, you might be really happy that you invested in that. That's a guy, rather than some of these other folks that I see people pick up to take flyers on, like Emmanuel Sanders from the the episode prior, right? Or Gabriel Mm -hmm. Davis. I would rather a Terrace Marshall because he's not competing with anyone for the job and it's a desirable job and it's his, if he can just show up and do it. Yeah. And there's not a lot of guessing here. So all he has to do is, is be present and be able, and he should be in line for maybe not a total Curtis Samuel season, but even if he didn't get the full wide receiver, 28, Curtis Samuel season. Yeah. Who cares if he got a wide receiver 40 level season and you got him with the last pick of your draft, that's still a massive come up. Yep. Well, I mean, and that's what I was saying too. Like obviously, um, you know, DJ Moore, and we know how good DJ Moore is. And remember like Curtis Samuel was supposed to be this. Remember the hype around Curtis Samuel. like everybody, everybody wanted Curtis Samuel to be the guy they wanted him to be the the true number two to go along with DJ Moore. And that it wasn't not fair to him. The, not understanding <laughs> that Curtis Samuel is not big enough physically to do that job. Yeah, it's it's he was never built to be that big, like outside wide receiver um, that they flirted. Remember a while with uh, Chris Hogan trying to bring him in to be the number two guy. A couple I do years remember back. that unpleasant chapter in history. <laughs> 
Um, so, I mean, they, they've tried a handful of different guys out there. They had DJ Moore. Um, now they've got uh, Devin Funches, remember, before when they had DJ. They had Funches to go with Cam Newton. Boy, my brain all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they had Cam Newton and Devin Funches, and the Funchise, that was their guy. You want to go they, all the way back to Steve Smith? That, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but that was. But then they got DJ Moore to be like their one-two punch. Well, it didn't work out with Funches. Remember when he somebody ate Devin how, Funches? How how could I forget? Yeah. And then <laughs> uh, when when Funches left, they brought in Curtis Samuel from the draft, and they brought in Chris Hogan to try to be that number two. Hogan obviously didn't work out. They bring in Robbie Anderson. Now they feel like they have a strong three-headed monster because they're finally allowing Curtis Samuel to do what he wants to in the in the slot. But even then, like DJ Moore was always strong on the outside. Funches and Hogan had their role. Even in 2019, you had Curtis Samuel playing in the slot without a true number two on the outside, and he was still finishing inside the top 40. It wasn't what people wanted it to be but it's still significantly higher than where you're putting Terrace Marshall right now, or even a guy like Robbie Anderson, like where they have Robbie Anderson right now is where Curtis Samuel was two years ago when he was the number two. And that's just not right. Right. But, and that's why I'm saying like Robbie Anderson to me is a great pick when you're in that wide receiver 30 to 35 range, because I think that there's significant potential for him to outkick that. He doesn't have yeah. to do too much to actually out punch that, that projection. Yeah. So I think give the me nice the part name. there is with oh, Rob, sorry, like, Rob Peterson. Yeah. With like DJ Moore, I would love to get DJ Moore because of the upside, like yes. with his, with his pure talent. And, if he well, he's the best the player, zone, right? He's the yeah. best player, right? Of the three. He's, yeah. he's the best player. That's just what it is. But that's what I was saying too. Like when you look at those numbers, you would think that based on where he finished last year and the way that people talk about it, like DJ Moore, dead and that he didn't do anything last year and he had a terrible season well it's because they put him into this role of being the deep pass catcher which doesn't make a ton of sense but even then if his receptions go up because this is ppr and this is mainly what we're focused on if you added like a reception per game to his totals to get him back closer to where he was two years ago instead of just last year then dj moore all of a sudden shoots up the list into the top 20 at wide receiver, which is kind of where he is now. But at the same time, he would have to add touchdowns and receptions to really hit his true potential ceiling at right around top 15, top 10. And if you're drafting him there, you're drafting him at his ceiling. Whereas what we're talking about with Robbie Anderson, you're drafting him at his floor. And that's always what you want to do is if you can draft a player at their floor, then you know, it's only going to go up. And yeah, and given the consistency metrics that we just went through, even with the quarterback change, <clears throat> I don't foresee too much of a scenario where they're going to have mm. too much of a dramatic scheme change well, that's going to impact that. I don't think they're suddenly going to start just say, oh, it's Sam Darnold now. Just huck it down the field 90 times. But see, I don't think it. that's going to happen. And it's crazy, too, because I kind of thought what would happen isn't happening. The whole narrative of who's he familiar with, right? Like if we're being honest here, yes, it's a new system. It's a new team for Sam Darnold, but he played for three years or whatever it was with Robbie Anderson. He knows Robbie Anderson. He knows what he's capable of. I think if there's anybody who he's going to be comfortable throwing the ball to, especially at the beginning of the year, it's going to be Robbie Anderson. So I think that there's every chance that he outkicks that 
34 he's currently going as. Yeah. Like when, when I, and I write the trade content for importantnonsense.com, and I can tell you right now, I'm already preparing in the background for the idea that Robbie Anderson is probably going to be one of those guys that's going to be on the early trade, trade away type of window potentially. Because who knows how it'll be. But if he comes out of the gate and you get him at wide receiver 32 and he's white hot and somebody wants to offer me the sun, the moon, and the stars for Robbie Anderson, yeah. then my advice is going to be take it because. We saw what happened last year, and while I'm not necessarily projecting for that to happen again, it is something to keep in the back of your mind that he could slow down a little bit if he gets off to a white-hot pace as Sam Darnold gets more familiar with everybody else. So I would go ahead and possibly be talking about pulling the trigger on that if somebody wanted to give me Robbie Anderson at his current value if he was on a white-hot pace, I would probably do it. So it's a uh, it's an interesting conundrum. And so once again, Steve, we talk about Coolio a lot on this show. We really do over the years. And uh, once again, Coolio is the center of discussion. I think he's probably the most polarizing player. As intriguing as Terrace Marshall is, I think the one that matters most for people in their drafts is what to do with Robbie Anderson. And by the way, if you have the option to take Terrace Marshall, as I said before, at the end of yeah. your draft, oh, do it. Yep. Oh, absolutely do it. Yeah. And, you know, it, really, Neil, you know, we just spend most of our lives living in this gangster's paradise. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevere. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!